could, could a pastor have like a little bit of a full heart once he sees all these different people ministering on one day? Dave, thank you for sharing and everyone on the platform, just, yeah, I mean. Somewhere along the way, we got twisted in our thinking like the church is this group that work and have this job and do this thing when, when the church is the, the assembly of those called out by God who he's revealed himself to, you know, who are following him. And that, that's the people who are here. The people in the back doing the things you don't realize are going on. The people that, that work upstairs in nursery preschool and on the platform and setting up communion and praying. And so really grateful for them. If you weren't with us, we're, we're tackling the book of John right now. Okay, not tackling. We're petting it gently over time, right? Slowly. If you look up there, you'll see it says John 1, verses 4 and 5. So that tells you last week, we, we climbed a, a three-verse hill, okay, as it were. And today, we're going two verses. We're going to be here a while. It's a good thing. Um, not to belabor the review, however, this builds on it when you go this slow. So last week, something I wanted to present to you was this truth that came from those first three verses. That's this idea that all things were created through Jesus, right? That, that all things were created through him, and we got into other texts which showed all things are sustained from him. And because of that, we believe he's an expert on life and how everything works because he's the one that created it. He's the one that keeps it going. The reason why all of our favorite doomsday movies don't happen and haven't happened yet, that's him. That's why the meteors aren't hitting yet. The planets aren't colliding. The volcanoes aren't erupting from the center of earth, burning us all up, right? It makes great movies, makes a really bad Tuesday. So thank you to Jesus that that's not happening right now. There will be a day when, when he comes to set things right. Uh, and, and I think we can be encouraged in that he is at work. No matter what you see in the world around you, no matter what you see even in your own home, that Jesus, his plans have not been thwarted. His power has not been lost. He's not surprised. And so we'll just keep talking about him. So let me pray before we go forward, and then we'll, we'll go. Lord, we just want your words. We want you to speak to us. So Lord, I give you everything I've prepared, everything that we've planned together, and I'll throw it in the trash if you want, Lord. I just pray that you would lead me in this discussion with the people you've brought here today. I pray that it would help, Lord, that it would edify, that it would build up, that it would challenge them, that it would get them to not only think, but do something different. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so moving forward, verse 4. In him, okay, who's him? Jesus, good, good job, good job. You got that, that answer right. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. If you've been in church for a while, familiar verse, very familiar verse. That's what we're going to run into a lot in the book of John. It's very popular. Uh, we've gone through that a lot if you've been in church environments. Let's, let's slow down a second here. This word, life, right? In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So life shows up twice. What, what's that mean? Now, the, this is translated into English from, from Greek, okay? 
because it's a New Testament. A lot of our Old Testament stuff, we took that out of a Hebrew version. And this we took out of a Greek version. So sometimes it's helpful to look at the word in Greek because our translations, you know, we might not have the same words or words that mean the same thing. And a word like life, like, oh, my life is so bad. Or, right, like, right, use all these words for life. What do you mean, Jesus, when you had them write this? So the Greek word, zoe, is the word that we translate life in this, in this scripture here, this section of scripture. And it has to do with what you think, like life or living or life giving or lifetime. So it's used, it's used in the New Testament. This is from, from Strong's, the people that are defining that. It's used as of life as a principle, life in the absolute sense, life as God has it, that which the Father has in himself and which he gave to the incarnate Son, Jesus, to have in himself, and the life in which Jesus, when he becomes the Lord of your life and you become filled with the Holy Spirit, this is the life that you get. There's another word that we can translate life. And it's like baos is I think how you say it. That's my... Prescott Valley trans, or accent for that one. But that actually refers to like a biological life. Like, oh, the heart's still beating, right? The blood's still flowing. But that's not the word they used. So he's not saying, in Jesus, you keep breathing. What it's saying is, in Jesus, he's the one. He is the fulfillment of life. Like, life complete and full, like God has it. Like he's intended. The problem is that physical life is fragile. Do you see? It's fragile, it's unpredictable, and it's expiring. So the dynamic which you and I face on a daily basis is no matter what Jesus did to save us, the plan is not that he's going to save our bodies. A lot of us, every day when you wake up, you begin to see, wow, this thing is failing more and more. A new spot, a new blemish. I'm in the garden and I just like hit my leg on a rebar and there's like another scar and you're like, yeah. So much for leg modeling. It's just not going to happen, right? But these bodies are very temporary. So at the same time, there's some kind of fullness of life being offered to people created by God. At the exact same time that your physical life is fading. Right? Would Paul say about that? That like out, I'm going to paraphrase it, but on the outside I might be fading away, but inside I'm being renewed day by day. I can get that. I know what that feels like. I'm sure I'll know what that feels like more and more as the years pass, if God has those years for me. So, Zoe is the God-given eternal, full, joy-producing, peace-giving, is this enough words? Mind and heart transforming, eye-opening life in Christ. You like that? Is that? Is there a word in there that touches you at some level? It's like the stuff, man, right? Like this is the life. This is really living. And Jesus is the author of it, the one who offers it, and the one who sustains it. 
Now, but what happens, you see, is it's a dynamic. We talk about spiritual things, and a lot of us in context think of spiritual as like these ritualistic or weird sounds or moaning. But really, the idea here is it's like, I can't see what's going on, just, but I, can, I feel that it's happening. It's like the wind and the breeze. You don't know where it's coming from. And I think if you, if you all just kind of looked at it, I mean, you know there's something going on inside of you that's beyond just the physical. Something that's happening in you that's beyond what you can see, feel, taste, touch, and understand. Or maybe, is it just me? You guys over here? This column, you guys? You know what I'm talking about? What about here in the middle? Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? What about? I don't want to leave you guys out over here. What about you over here? I mean, even if you're in high school, you get it, right? You know what I'm talking about. Like, there's something beyond explanation beyond understanding the problem is that that thing it's not expiring like your body and so what jesus said is jesus came that we might have life right and have it abundantly but that life is not necessarily physical yes he does sustain our physical life But the scripture also says that before you were even created, that God numbered your days. So the person who dies at three and the person who dies at 103, there was no surprise, no big tragedy. God knew and planned it out. And so I'm looking at people who have final days planned for them ahead of time. And I'm glad I don't know what day that is for you. But until then, your spirit will not expire on that day. You are an eternal being, and you have a newness of life in your spirit, in that place that you can't quite understand or or taste, touch, and feel. And from that is where you get this God, God God-given, God-modeled, joy, peace-giving life. Do you see that? So even though the circumstance and the outside could be failing you, the inside, you're thriving. Who wants to sign up for that? I do. I don't want to go too fast with this, you see, because I think this is foundational. We get going too fast. We want to know more information, know more about God, but not know him. And then we just, we lose it. We lose everything that's important. So back to what John had wrote. Right? Here's a guy who the author that's attributed with this is a guy who walked and lived with Jesus. He's one that saw him die on the cross physically, who saw him after he was resurrected, and then, as we can tell, lived five or six decades after that, and then writes this. And he said, in him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. What's that mean? Was it like they have a bald head and it reflected off? It was like the light, light the way? Yeah, no. So the word light, like if you go back to that original word once again in Greek, it's nothing earth shattering. It's this idea to reveal like, a, like the sun would or, or fire would by rays. It would reveal, it would show to you or reveal or make something appear or manifest, right? That you didn't know. So it's just, it's just what you think. It's dark in the room. What's that in the corner? Lights on. Ah, now I see what's in the corner. In the dark, stop, hit your toe. Oh, man. Light on. Oh, there was a stool there. 
right? Go to the kid's room, step on a Lego, not quite sure what it is because it's dark, you turn it on, and you curse those things forever being created, right? That, it's that same idea. So something about Jesus helps us to see something we were blind to before. So really, to expand on the light a little bit, the light of the sun enables us to discern form and distance, magnitude, and relation to other objects, okay? And it prevents the perplexities and dangers which result from a state of darkness. Light is in all languages, therefore, put forth as knowledge. For whatever enables us to discern our duty and that saves us from the evils of ignorance and error. So fancy words meaning it's understanding and knowledge is what we begin to see. We had baseboard heaters in our house, and when our first son, he found out the hard way that that was hot, right? By experience. Ouch! Never touched it again. Because he was blind to that, his eyes were opened, he could see and understand by experience. And he was able to tell the younger kid, don't touch that. It was helpful. Verse 4, let me go back to, in him was life, right? This fullness of life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Why this is super important, guys, is, is please understand this. Darkness will not overcome the light. I'll say it three times. Darkness will not overcome the light. Darkness will not overcome the light. And Josh over here is thinking, what in the world, why is that important, Will? Why do you think that might be important? I'll put you on the spot. Because we're friends, you know, I can pick on you. Why do you think that might be important? Darkness has no power. So if that's true, then where darkness exists is only because light's allowed it to exist. Because light has not been shown on that yet. Right? And so there's that. God is so patient and we're not. We're stressed. We see the darkness and we're like, oh, the corner is dark over there. And you feel like somehow something's been victimized. Like God's been fooled or betrayed in some way. Like, oh man, oh, plan's foiled. No, no, it's not. It's coming. The light is coming and it will overtake all the darkness. Right? Yes. This is good news. Darkness has not overcome it. There's a system. Now I'm going to throw some scriptures at you. If you're just joining us, we put this on YouTube, and with that, there's also, you can see the slides, and you can go for study, because I, I hope you see your Bible other than Sunday morning. Otherwise, this is never going to change your life. So let me throw some scriptures at you so you don't just think it's the one guy and one experience. This, this expands to it. This one's from 1 Corinthians, a letter to a church, right? A group of believers, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says this, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Do you see that? He's even telling them, guys, understand what we're learning here. They didn't have the Bible, right? They had this letter. They had the experience. They had what we call the Old Testament and all the oral traditions. But he's like, listen, what we know is true. It it's actually seems to be hidden in secret. 
but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through, what's those last two words? The Spirit. Here's an important principle that I think if we don't, if we get away from the basics, we lose track of. The world is blind. I know with every inch spiritual, physical that I am, that I am a blind person and there's so many things I don't see. And for every piece that God reveals to me that I become aware of and understand, there is an infinite amount of things I just do not. But what he has revealed to me can only come from his spirit to that permanent part of me. I understand what I didn't before. And it's not a matter of my brain. Although my brain is being transformed, right, by learning. But it's this idea that the world, he's like, look at that, man. If the rulers knew who this Jesus was, they would have been so excited to have him in their midst. They wouldn't have killed him. They wouldn't have dismissed him. But they were blind. They didn't know. Acts 26, right? The, the record of the Acts of the Apostles, as some people would call it. What we have here is, you guys know who, who Saul, who changed his name to Paul? Okay, so the guy, at, the guy was, at first, was he for Jesus or against him? Against him. He thought he was lying. He thought I, he, he was someone trying to gain fame and notoriety and speaking against the one true God. Now, he's talking to a king, and he's explaining what's happened and why he was this guy who was part of the Pharisees, who was actually against these Christians, right, the followers of Jesus, and thought they were a bunch of guys fooled by a liar, and how now he becomes the biggest proclaimer of this Jesus. And, and so he's actually, he's actually re- recalling the story that's recorded in Acts 9. And that's where Paul's on the road to Damascus. And an interesting thing happens. What happened to Paul on that road? He was blinded. Couldn't see. He thought he could see clearly. And then it was almost like this picture, right, that God gave for every one of us, that he blinded him because he thought he could see so well. He thought he was so smart that God physically blinded him. And then opened his eyes, not only physically, but spiritually, to a whole new truth. And the rest of his life, he just shared that. So here he's doing this. Verse 15. Imagine this. He's recalling Jesus showing up on this road, right? This light. And he falls down. And and then verse 15 says, Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? Like, who are you, Master? You're clearly pretty powerful. Who are you, powerful one? And then... Jesus said this, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue from your own people, rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. Uh, I guess it's not going to work now. Um, you go on the next slide for me. 
I am sending you to them, right? The Gentiles and the Jews to open their eyes. He wanted them to share the same experience he had. You think that you know because maybe you've lived 40, 50, 60 years, right? I understand the way things work now. No, you don't. You're tremendously blind. And and so God takes us all through this process. You are blind and he sends his messengers to show you that you are blind and help you to see. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Do you see the lichen? The darkness is the metaphor. It refers to the power of Satan to keep you blind and ignorant and following all your physicality, which is dying. And the light is God who's speaking above what you see and understand to truth that will be true forever so that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among, among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. That's what we want. That's what each one of us want. We want to become less and less blind. Less and less deceived by all the kingdom of darkness and more and more aware of what's true. In serving the God of truth, the God of light, the one true God. And then John in his first John letter, 2.11, says this, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Do you see this? It just, it's really true. We're blinded. It's not because you're dumb. It's just, it's happened to you. You are blinded. You're subject to what's happening. And not only that, he's taking it to a whole nother level. He's saying, actually, if we're in the light, we treat each other differently. Now now you're meddling. Before, it was like about my personal holiness, right? Be a good person. Now it's like, I don't care how good you think you are. How you treat the people you have relationships with says everything about whether you're in the light or in the darkness. I'll repeat that. How you treat everyone around you that you have relationships says everything about whether you're walking in the darkness or in the light. Another one, 2 Thessalonians, another letter. Chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. I mean, the world is being fooled. And we just get so angry at them. They don't even know what they're doing on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly dis... What? God? Wait. God will cause them to be greatly deceived? Do you see that? It's back to that light will not be overcome by the darkness. Jesus is not a victim in this. Those who choose destruction, Jesus allows to be deceived. And it's not up to you, but I hope that those people who are deceived and blinded will be brought into the light and their eyes will be opened. But sometimes it's God that's doing that, it says. And that might throw the way that you see God. It might throw a little wrench in that. Because God is so patient. Sometimes he'll take you down the worst road to get your attention. And other times, you may never turn. 
And as a dad, I could only imagine how much that breaks his heart. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. The truth has the power to save. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they'll believe these lies. They'll be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. You guys want more scripture? Is that? I could bury you with that stuff, man. I got buried with it. Let's, let's, Let's take some truth from that. Because after all, that's what I'm saying. Jesus came to, one of the things is to speak to the truth, right? One to reveal the truth. Okay, so first truth, darkness does not overcome light. I see this. I, I substitute at, at a high school sometimes. And, um, you know, those poor people, not only do a, are a lot of them in the world, but when you're that age, you know, one of your greatest influences, whatever's on social media or popular culture. So there's a lot of deceptive forces out there um, at the young people. And then as you get older, you guys can't get off of Facebook and YouTube. And it's equally as evil, in my opinion, but that's a whole other sermon. Um, But you get deceived over the world. And there's people who have no knowledge of God and have no exposure to him. And they do things which just doesn't make sense to you. It just doesn't make sense to you. And you find yourself getting a little bit worked up. As if God's been victimized because they don't know the truth. As if God has been victim, as if God is waiting for me to somehow change every single person's mind. Now, in no way should I not share what I believe is true, and I'll do that. But I think the attitude that you have with that, and you watch the world around you, you're like, oh, this world, is, it's always been awful. Just the flavor changes over time. Yeah. Oh, but back in the 80s, man, it was like, really? really? Two words, crack, cocaine, right? Like even the president, AIDS. Yeah, that wasn't a great time either. God wasn't glorified. Well, the 50s, well, what happened then, right? Housewives drinking because they weren't allowed to go to work. and the use of, I mean, you read all these stories. You look at all of history, right? The Roman Empire, the Greeks. Like, oh, we're thrown off because these bad things exist. Duh. But God is building his kingdom. The light is here, and it's overcoming the darkness. And our role is not to complain about the darkness, but proclaim the light. And live the light. So all the light has come into the world. Darkness is still here, and it's still inviting us to choose the wrong way at any given time. And somewhere along the way, it's like, well, I go to church on Sunday, so I'm immune to the darkness. Not true. There's tons of corners that exist. And in your life, certain things of lights has been shine on them and other things they haven't. Some of you guys, you know, you have all these different issues, which we'll get into a little bit more. Some might be like more church acceptable and some less church acceptable, but they're all equally not God acceptable. Right? Yeah. So although light has come into the world, hallelujah, right? Jesus has come. He's working. He's expelling light, life by life, truth by truth, lesson by lesson. Yes, right? But darkness is still here. It's still inviting. It's still trying to tell you it has something to offer you, but it doesn't. However, the way that God designed this, we have this freedom of choice. And so even the best Christian, right, can choose wrong. 
can go into the dark corners and try that out. And it doesn't go well for them. See, darkness blinds. It makes us unable to see what would be obvious to us if we were looking at it in the light. Right? Like, who, who's taken enough substances where the next day you're like, oh, man, I feel so much better now. All my circumstances are gone. Was there enough food? Did food ever do that? What about like sex? Did that ever do it? Closer, but not, still not, right? Yeah. Being popular, did that do it? What about getting in really good shape? What about gossip? That's a church favorite, right? Being a busybody, being in everyone's business, like, oh, man. Does it really work? Do you look like you're more special and more in the know because you gossip about people's business? It doesn't work. What about husbands treating their wives in a poor way? Wives treating their husbands in a poor way? Does it work? Lying? Pretending? Can you ha- can, does God care about how you handle your finances and manage your family? Oh, yeah. Do you get divorced and everything is just swimmingly good? No, like all of these things, the darkness might say, you know, it it can call out to you and offer you a wonderful counterfeit. And in the end, it never satisfies. So when we refuse to love and to accept the truth that would save us, it may be given over to the deception and blindness we've chosen. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness. Don't, don't forget this. This, is, this can be humbling for us. No matter how far you've come, understand you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. That's your position, okay? This is what Jesus has done for you. So now it says to do this. You've got to do something. Live as children of light. Accept that. If you're hearing my voice and you're here, you're getting the invitation. Even if this is your first time here, you're like, I see what you're saying. Well, the world is full of darkness and full of lies. I've been trying a lot of them out and they don't work. Well, if you can hear this and if you can understand this, please know that Jesus offers something different. In him... You were once darkness, but now you're invited into the light, into the truth. You want that? Then live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That's why we're here. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And that is why it said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Okay, now this is, this is cool. Let me slow it down so I I'm not get stuck in my head too much. Did you see this? It says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's not an invitation to be a police officer and expose everyone's darkness around you. It's an invitation to expose what's going on in you. 
Then verse 12, he goes on to say this really interesting thing. It is shameful even to mention what is disobedient, what the disobedient do in secret. So it's shameful to even mention these awful things in the darkness, it says. But then, but then it turns it on its head and says this, but everything that's exposed by the light becomes visible. So even though it should be shameful, exposing it does this. It makes it visible. And then it says, and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. Here's what this looks like. Do you know the things that you've been through? Your adventures into the dark places and your deliverance out of those dark places are extremely encouraging. They're extremely encouraging and helpful to those around you. And what happens is the minute that dark thing becomes exposed, now it's, now it's just a fact in the light. Because the light doesn't just expose good things, it also exposes bad things. And when they're exposed, they lose a lot of their power. And everything that's illuminated becomes a light. Are you trying to bull me into confessing something? No, I'm, I'm speaking truth to you. I'm speaking truth to myself. Because you that don't know me, I just live this stuff. This is how God has me do this. My wife and I, we wrestle with this stuff all week, all month long. We live it because we're trying to learn it by going through it. And so you look at that and you're like, ah, this truth and this lie is such a huge battle. Because even though it would be shameful for those in the darkness to say, guess what I'm doing? Those in the light actually exposing it, it loses its power. And then it becomes a light into all the world to say, look what. And a testimony to say, I used to try it that way. And now it didn't work. And now I do it this way and it works. So let's, let's hit this home a few more. Okay. We are blind to the truth until Jesus and his life in us, the Holy Spirit, right, opens our eyes to see some aspect of life clearly. Okay, you start out blind to it, right? Because what's been given to you is lies by the world, deception by the enemy, or God giving you over to give it a try. See, I always want to go to the, give you an example of what I mean. Let's think of a good, how about, how about a suggestion? What's, not you, but what's an what's a issue or a struggle, right, where, where we handle it wrong and we don't handle it God's way? Give me an example. Greed, okay? Greed's a good one. Yeah. Another one here? Okay, lust and greed. Let's take those two. Okay, greed. What would you say greed is? You always want more, right? Whatever it is. A lot of time it's about finances. And the truth is this, okay? Here's what I can tell you from my background in finance. Do you know that the more money you have, the more you have to worry about your money? And did you know specifically in our culture, you have to worry about ways in which to spend more money to protect more money from the government getting more of your money? So like poor people are like, why in the world did you buy that huge of a house? There's two of you. Tax law. 
But poor people, we don't have to worry about that. There's just never enough money. I've heard it said, I don't remember who said it, something like, how much money is enough? And they're like, just a little more. Something like that, right? You always want more. So you can pursue the money, and in the end, it never satisfies. Okay? I got a story about that. Okay? I used to be a banker, whatever, right? Had a title, wore a chicken choker to work. Okay? I was driving like an older beat-up car. I had some prepaid cellular phone, okay? Was not rich, but if I would have kept it up, I would have been like one of those higher middle class people. So then God took me out of that. I took a job, okay, stocking beer, and I did a second job selling insurance. And they paid me $10 an hour for stocking beer. And then I got into ministry where I took, I took another job, got more money, took a pay cut halfway here. Someone in the church's dad couldn't drive anymore. They sold me a Toyota Tundra for a good price. Sam's Club had like a $5 iPhone. So it's like, it turned everything. I made $10 an hour, half as much as what I did before. Well, I made more than that at that time, but half as much as what I did before. And somehow I had like the truck I really liked and like a fancy smartphone. Like I could have kept pursuing more money and had higher car payments, right? And fancier clothes. I don't have to go to Dillard's to buy my clothes. I can go to Walmart or Costco, right? And I can get that now. I barely have shoes. Have to, right? it, it works out. Like, there's never enough money. And, and now I can see I don't want a lot of money because I don't want that headache. I see differently. But I was blind to it. Because when I was young, they're like, get successful, man. Get successful. Get more money. You're smart. You're good at school. Make that happen. Then God's like, I got a different plan. He opened my eyes. That's not to say that everyone who's a banker is doing the wrong thing, because some people it's perfect for them. Not for me. That's God's business. Okay? Lust. I get that, okay? I get that lust. There's lust for things, lust for physicality, for sexuality. There's biological principles. A person could not have their lust met by, by another person or by themselves and that to last long term. You're, it's going to be a continuous need to have it met, met, met. There's never enough affection. There's never enough intimacy. There's never enough interaction. Never enough sex. It's a bottomless pit. Right? And we know that maybe intellectually, but we don't know it experientially. And it's why there's the pandemic of lust-based problems in our society. And the places where we don't act out our, our, our sexuality the right way is the only place we're supposed to, which is marriage. It's like where it doesn't happen. But that's, that's light and darkness, right? Until we transform our thinking, until we ask God to open our eyes, we'll keep trying the counterfeit, even though you know it doesn't work, Right? Even though you're like desperate, oh, to lust after that, to greed for that. Man, if I buy this new shirt, I feel really good for about three minutes, and then I'm like, uh. Or like someone's like, I bought a quad, and then I get depressed every time I see it in my garage, and I never get to ride it. I mean, you've heard those stories, or maybe you've experienced it, but we'll still do it. Because we're blind, and we don't see differently. 
Great, great examples, guys. Then once we see it, okay, once we see, oh, there's a problem here, there's a disconnect, we must trust him. We must trust what God says and follow him. Walking it out, demonstrating faith, only happens when you walk it out. And only when we walk it out will we really know that God's way is good. Because here's what I'm saying. Maybe we choose darkness because it's familiar. Right? In those patterns that you get in, like, this is just what I do. This is how I cope. This is how I make it. You know, I, man, I feel insecure or I feel bored, so I gossip. Or, or I feel bad about myself, so I tear other people down. Or I feel lonely, so I, I lash out to this. I feel stressed, so I, I take in substances. I'm overwhelmed, so I decompress and I just watch 12 hours of TV. Right? Whatever it is that you're doing, it's familiar and we get stuck. See, it seems to me like we don't know how good it is in the light. After all of that, it kind of sets up these thoughts here. It's a great question to ask yourself. Am I really aware, do I really believe that it's better in God's way? You know what I love is all of you are like, yes. I love, this is great. That's probably the best thing that happened today is that no one, and there's a lot of good things that happened today. Because the truth is, I got the microphone. I can't, I can't tell you that I even know how good it is in the light in a lot of areas. And I think the patience is to understand that it is a process. And not to quit. Because there are some areas I'm like, yeah, God's way is a lot better in this. Like I was blind. I used to do it a different way. He opened my eyes. I'm doing it this, his way. And it's better. Now if we could just keep going, Rick, and I can get more areas of my life like that, that would be a, a really great thing. But that's the question, maybe the first question. Do I know how good God's way is? I mean, after all, we, we can't forget this. It's supposed to be the life lived in the light, right? It's supposed to be our lives lived in the light of Jesus and truth that draw people to him. And draw people into his life. What kind of practical, what does that look like? Before we wrap up here. What could you see in a Christian that's like, oh man, they're, I think they're living, living life with God. What is it that you notice? Peace and hardship? That's a tremendous one. Joy. Promise. Promise. Yeah, right? No matter, it's not that the circumstances, see the problem is we want the circumstances to line up. But that's not necessarily, that's not what God promised. As a matter of fact, Jesus, we're going to get at him saying a lot of different things than that. Like, this is not going to go easy. But you're going to have this great hope. You're going to have this fullness of life in you, irregardless of whether the circumstance is going well. That's what's going to draw people if we begin to surrender aspects of our lives and live in the light then we become a light into the world, right? So here's where we start. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up.
What if we just smash all over the darkness right now? What if we don't let it have its way in here, in us, right now? We, we can't change the world right now. We can't change anyone else's heart or mind. But one, we can, ch- we can choose differently ourselves and we can pray for those around us, right? But let's... Here's what it takes to destroy the darkness. Here's a practical way. Being honest. Even if it's unflattering. Here's how we can do it. Here's the first thing. This simple truth. Admitting that I'm blind. I get what you're saying, Lord, in all those scriptures. Because I can be so blind. I just don't seem to see that clearly. And that's why I'm doing... A, B, and C. Or that's why I keep feeling A, B, and C. Like, it's that. I am blind. I just don't see. Like, it's that confession, right? That I agree with what you said, Lord. That's what the confession word means. Like, I'm coming into agreement. You said that that everyone has fallen short of God's glory, and our first step should simply be confessed, to come to you and say, you are right, and I agree with you, God. Like, if you do that, then someone's like, oh, Chris, you're blind. I know I already admitted that. No, no surprise, dude, yeah? I jokingly say that, you know, if I pretend to, I don't, I fight the pedestal being the one speaking because I want it to be when you see the stupid parts of me that act crazy, you're going to be like, doesn't surprise me, he told me he was quite a mess. He didn't pretend to have it all together, right? Just shine all the light you can on me. And I, and I'm far from Perfectly seeing. I am blind. And my wife would say, yes, you are, right? All of our wives would, yeah. The good ones would, yeah. I am blind and I, I don't see clearly. That's where it starts. And so what I want to do is create a little bit of time. They're going to play some music instrumentally. Our brother Reggie in the back is going to come down with the lights. That way, hopefully, it's less assuming, right? That's why we do that. And I I want us to spend a little time in prayer. And you can do this alone. You can grab somebody that's around you, that you know. You can come see me. I I know Randy. Randy, raise your hand for you. I know Randy would be happy to pray with you. But I think that's where we start. If we want to fight the darkness, we bring the light to it. If we want to stop hiding, we bring the truth to it. If we want to stop lying, we speak the truth instead of the lie. And so that's where we start. If we're going to be on this journey through John to see what Jesus said and did, I don't want to go past this. We have to be a people that come to grips with the fact that we just don't see everything clearly. Okay. Now here's, here's prayer time 102 if you get to that, okay? That might be enough just to unpack how blind you are. But if you feel like you want to move forward, according to what we read, it says that the Holy Spirit is the one that opens our eyes. 
So a simple prayer like, open my eyes, Lord. Reveal to me these blind spots in my life. And help me. Rescue me. Is that enough? Okay. I'm going to start it. And they'll just play instrumentally. And then I'm here if anyone needs me. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into the world, Lord. Taking on the, f- the flesh and the issues that it is to be a man. The temptations and the hunger and the fear and the discomfort and the cold and the hot. And we just are so thankful. And you're the one that intercedes for us because you understand, Lord, and you've told us that we are blind. And oh man, I I feel it. So Lord, I pray for, for everyone here in the assembly and the fellowship, Lord. I pray for those who are fighting against being yours against surrendering to you, that today they would come up to me and that they would say, I'm done running, um, I'm done fighting, I, I want help, I want prayer, Lord. That you would just bring them in to your arms. Lord, for those, of, those who've already done that, but they're just trying to walk this out, Lord, I pray that you'd reveal to them this blindness And if they know they're blindless, Lord, maybe that you would shine the light on it. Maybe they would share with someone else where they're blind and where they could use prayer or accountability or encouragement. Lord, that we could be the church spurring one another along to faith and love and good works. So Lord, we give you this time and Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would to work in, inside the men and the women here and the boys and girls. I, I thank you, Lord, for your love and your patience and your forgiveness and your mercy. In your work and name we pray, Lord. Amen.